0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from north valley baptist church in santa clara california led by pastor jack treber though located in the heart of the silicon valley you will hear fervent old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of north valley baptist church it is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message
1: take your bibles please let's turn to the book of acts chapter 20 this is message number 8 out of chapter 20. It's the pivotal chapter. The Apostle Paul is not going to be in churches after this. He's not preaching in churches after this. It's amazing how God does this. I, I've always loved it. It might have been my favorite chapter in Acts. But the more I've prayed and studied over it, you can just see what's happening. He's getting ready to die. He's trying to pour into the hearts of these people. I want you to, I want you to pay careful attention. You know, if the Lord tarries, one of these days, all of us will pass away. And one of these days, if the Lord tarries, I'll be in a casket here. the Dennis will see to that our, our funeral director here. Mm-hmm. And then the next generation comes. Please, after my departure, don't change this thing. Please don't introduce rock and roll, and dr- please don't drop Sunday night. And I-, I go more places where people say, "In our area, if we don't drive, if we don't drive an hour and a half to this church, we don't go to church." And there's no church. Everywhere I go, it's very sad how many few churches there are today. Don't change this thing. Don't buy into the modern philosophy. The church is the restrainer. It restrains from the evil that's entering in. Our Bibles tonight were in Acts 20, and this morning we were verse 28 through 29, and 28, our message this morning was take heed, the other six are in the bulletin. But let's read verse 28, 29, then let's add 30 and 31 tonight. Let's stay together, shall we, as we read? Ready, begin. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, To all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. We'll ask the ushers to please come forward and thank you for the reading of the Word of God. And thank you for being such a great church. We'll have a great summer planned. We'll, of course, May has already passed. And uh, next Sunday night, we'll have a hot dog fellowship. I look forward to that. It's not healthy, but it's a lot of fun. And we'll have many fellowships on Sunday nights after church and the big anniversary Sunday morning at the park afterwards. And uh, then Sunday night, a big fellowship, preaching, and uh, July 3rd, we're gonna celebrate together. That's on a Sunday. After church, it'll be a big thing. Many of you that had a bucket, and you sold things November, December and January and February after church, uh, you had barbecues, and you had chicken and all those things, you might wanna consider that on on July 3rd. We'll have more about that to say, but we're gonna eat, eat, eat. And we're gonna get off our diets, and we're gonna have a big time Sunday night preaching Sunday night evening service. Brother Finera. I appreciate you. And uh, the Christian School, he's been with the Christian School uh, 16 years. He, prior to that, was a graduate of our college, high college and a graduate of our high school and graduated junior high He started. What grade do you begin? Third grade. Third grade, when his mom and dad here, where's Brother Sam? Got saved right there. Mom and dad got saved, and we're so thankful for you. Come lead us in prayer for a good offering. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to be back in your house tonight and how you've already worked in this service. God, we think of all your blessings on this place and how you've sustained this ministry for so many years. Lord, as we look out at this summer ahead of us, we see the youth conference and so many various projects that need to be done around here. And God, such great needs. We ask that your people be found faithful in giving, Lord, in our tithes and our offerings. Lord, we ask that you would do what we can and bless this ministry in a very mighty way, that we may be able to send out the gospel in these last days before your soon return. We ask for your power on the service tonight. In Jesus' we pray. Amen. You may be seated. tonight we want to have prayer for Natalie. Natalie is going to stand in a moment, Sutmeier. She grew up on the mission field with her sister in Mexico City, 40 million people in that city. She came to our college, graduated and this is her last service. She's moving to North Carolina and going to be working with Brother Copernat. Brother Copernat got, was born in this church in the 70's and uh, his dad went in the ministry. His dad passed away early. And Brother Colburn, doing a great job. We're gonna miss you. I I wish so badly you're leaving. And then Michaela, you're leaving next month to go work there. I wish I could have hired these two girls. They are sweet girls, but we'll pray for you when it gets time to leave. We don't want to rush it for mother and dad. Your parents are probably watching in Mexico right now. We just stand, uh, Natalie, we are so thankful for you. Proverbs 31, young lady, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the college and the fact that we have so many young people that come around the country and around the world to this place. We thank you for the day that you led Natalie here. And I pray that God, as she leaves us now, that she would go forward to be a tremendous help uh, to that church. I know she will. We thank you for her spirit. We thank you for her love for Thee. We thank you for her devotion. We thank you that she is one of our graduates. And I pray that because of her going to that area, that exciting church, that they'd produce many more for the Bible College, that we could get them trained and out in the ministry. Bless her life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, Natalie. Your Bibles tonight, and I took too long. I I was shooting to get you out of here early, but um, we'll still get out while the sun is up. Doesn't set till 8.30 tonight, but we'll get you out. When I was preaching this week in Montana, the sun's going down at, at eight at nine thirty-five, and by the end of the month it'll be ten o'clock at night. So I, I'd kind of like to preach in an area like that. Won't that be great? You preach till the sun goes down. Boy, that went over real big. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> you know, tonight there is very obvious. I don't have to speak to you about this really. This introduction. Because it's like preaching to the choir, they say. But I'll say it anyway. There's a battle for your life and for my life. You are in a constant war, and I tell you, I, I commend the people of God. I, in some areas, it may be more difficult for a preacher. But in reality, I think for God's people, You work in the world. You're around the world. You're around uh, regulations. And I admire you so, so very much. Some of you are working jobs and you want to burst out and witness. But you'd lose your job. They have made it illegal. And I understand you don't go soul winning on company time. I understand all that. One of our Man, he's suffering really badly with cancer right now. He's watching. And in the hospital this past week, the doctor came in and gave him the news what what it looks like and what the future looks like the next several weeks. And the sweet doctor, she said to him, I just feel so burdened. And she probably could lose her job for this. So I won't say who or what or where. I feel so burdened to pray for you. That was such a comfort. You know, I wish that every, I wish every doctor but have the the freedom to pray. We have doctors here, and I know that you're very careful about that as well. But you face and I face the world, and it's constantly thrown at us. We, We face the flesh, and the flesh at its very best is still weak. We're bent on doing wrong. Some will choose to do wrong this summer with their lives. Because you're bad people, No, because we're weak people. And the devil will find where we're weak, and that's where he sends his crew to try to destroy our lives. And there's the world, there's the flesh, there's the devil. And tonight, I want to speak to you about the subject, beware. Beware. We're going to have to be very careful. The Bible says, take heed, therefore, your, your to, to the, unto yourselves. We saw that this morning. We, we guard ourselves, the sheep, and these swindlers, these wolves. And they're going to come in and not spare the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. I want us to be aware of these wolves that are on the outside. But I want us to be aware of the wolves that come with the inside as well. And Paul warns them and says in verse 31, where our text is, Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not. What's this next word? To what? Warn you. Warn you, every one of you, night and day, and with tears. I, I, I warned you. I I, I cautioned you. As what that word. I, I put caution signs up, church at Ephesus. Here's a caution. I, I want you to remember to have songs. I want you to remember songs and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I want to remind you about marriage, husbands and wives, chapter five and your home and keeping it pure. I want to remind you the church that ought to be presented without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. I don't think we can be too holy to please God. Amen. And so Paul warns the church at Ephesus. He warns the church at Galatia. And they, he had won to Christ, and then he said, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I remember, he said, you'd have plucked your eyes out for me. But now you, you, you don't like the message, but I haven't changed my message. I'm warning you, church at Galatia. I'm warning you, church at Ephesus. I'm warning you, church at, at Corinth. I'm warning you, Thessalonians. I'm, I'm warning you, Colossi saints. I'm, I'm t- putting a warning. Beware lest any man beguile you, the church at Colossae. Colossae said, um, be careful. And so here he said, I, I warned you. Now I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm not going to see your face anymore. I wish I could make another pass by here because I I love the people of God here, he said. But I have to get my face toward Jerusalem because I'm going there to die. I don't think he knew what type of death because he said in this chapter, I don't know what bonds and afflictions and what all is going to be. But I think as he got closer, he understood as he writes the book of Philippians, 104 verses, about six, 18 times he says to joy or rejoice, and he's in a hole in the ground, let down in that prison cell. I believe he's probably by now aware of the fact that his head's gonna be suffered from his body, and, and that's why he says the time of my departure is at hand. They're coming after me any day. You know, it must be a very sad thing to pastor a church and then say, I'm leaving you, and I know my is soon, I know in just a short time I'm gonna be on the other side. If I knew this would be my last service and I try to preach that way, I I wanna preach something that you could carry with you in your life. So Paul says, I'm warning you. I'm putting up a beware sign, beware. And we as God's people need to beware because we are stewards of the New Testament local church. God has deposited the work of the ministry. God has departed the historic, uh, uh, June 3 and 4, the historic doctrines of faith. He's deposited them not with a Bible college. He's deposited it with the saints. You guard the Bible. You guard the church. And as they want to redefine the church, no Sunday night, no Wednesday night, uh, all this praise thing and and rock and roll, as they want to redefine it, you beware. Don't get sucked into that. By the way, that has never preserved a nation. A nation, at at all times, America needs the church. It's now. But you can't find them open. 380,000 on a Sunday night and I would dare say the vast majority have gone over it for weeks now are closed. We're responsible as stewards. God said in Titus chapter 2 verse 14 that he purchased the church with his son's own blood. Let's not become indifferent toward the church. Let's not become casual toward the church. A great price was paid that we might have the New Testament church don't respect, disrespect it. Don't make it casual. Don't make it worldly. You dear pastors, and I love you, and I wouldn't want to come across rebuking you, but I do want to ask you a question. Every church has a reputation. If we ask you right now, Pastor, what is the reputation of your church? Would you have to say it's play? Church is not about play. Exodus thirty-two, Moses was delayed from coming down the mountain, and he heard the people. They rose up to play. Everything should not necessarily be fun. A lot of joy. Fun is from the outside, rejoicing, and joy is on the inside. I don't have a lot of fun seeing the corruption of this society, but I don't have a lot of joy in my heart. I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And I don't want to ask you, Pastor: Is it play? Is it party? Lord, we'll have hot dog fellowships and we'll have fun together and join. but I don't want our church to hinge from just play and party. I don't want our church to hinge from just pleasure. I want to be known as a soul winning church, a, a scripture preaching church. I want to be known as a singing church. I want to be known as a serving church. I was on an airplane the other day witnessing to the fellow and he said, are you the church I think you are. Are you the church that runs all those buses? I hear that all the time. I'll pass a track to someone here locally or on a plane, and they'll say, You're, you're the church with that, those buses, aren't you? I said, We are. I'm thankful we're not the church that is known for whatever. We're the church uh, to, to, to uh, rock and roll concerts. We're the church of, of, of singing and service and separation and taking a stand. Now, before I'm, I'm in a long introduction, Uh, It'll take me a while to get off the air, off the ground, and we'll get up in the air and I'll be done. Turn with me to Jude, please. Just some more background scriptures about this thing of being aware. Beware. Jude, and there's 25 verses. I'd like you to read with me verse number three and verse number four. We're going to have to be aware, and don't shut your Bible because I'm going to turn you back after this to another text. Jude is writing... And he's writing because of the corruption that has come into the church and to the people of God. And I want you to read verse three and verse four. Ready, verse three, begin. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying our only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I want you to contend. I want you to fight for the faith. Dear pastor, what are you fighting for? Is your fighting just internet about another preacher? Are you fighting for the faith? Are you fighting for your young children in your church? Are, are you fighting that they could be raised up in a godly environment? Are, are you fighting for the teenagers in your church? What investment are you making them? Are you fighting on your knees in prayer? Are you fighting for your family? Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered. And that faith, by the way, deals with the historic doctrines of the faith. Are we fighting for the virgin birth, the deity of Christ? Are we uh, uh, fighting for eternal security? Are we fighting for the New Testament local church? Are we fighting for uh, the Lord's ordinances, uh, baptism, and the Lord's table? Are we fighting for those or are defending those things? Fight for the faith that was deposited with the saints. Turn with me back a book, if you will, to 2 John. 2 John. I wonder if you could read verse 7 and 8 with me. Because beware, he said, these deceivers we just saw in Jude, they're coming in. They're coming in. Brother Cooper and I and others on our staff, we preach in great churches, and you preach in a great church this week, great church. But you know as well, wow, we've crossed, crossed this country. There's many places you can see it coming in. We can hear it in the music. We can see it in its philosophy. In the whole nine yards, we see it, and it's not going to save America. The preaching of the cross is what God's ordained. Notice what he says in 2 John. Let's read verse number 7 and verse number 8. Ready, begin. For many deceivers are entered into the world There's a message there. I won't preach it, but somebody in our church, one of you men ought to preach it. Your mother and dad have been invested in you. Don't let them lose the reward. The reward of watching you grow up to godly men and women and marry right and do right and serve right and bring their grandkids up, your mother and dad's grandkids, bring them up in the house of God, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Keep them in the house of God that they lose not their reward, not just mothers and dads. Make sure your Sunday school teacher doesn't lose their reward. All the investment, you're their reward. Make sure that bus worker and that bus driver and that bus camper and that bus mechanic and the bus finance people don't lose the investment because you cast it off. He says, I want you to know there are going to be these deceivers. that are coming in. Turn back another book, Second. Second Peter in second Peter in chapter number two, but there were it, it, beware there were false prophets among the people, even there should be false teachers among you who privily secretly shall bring in damnable heresies in denying our Lord which brought the, uh, uh, bought them and bring them to swift destruction. Here it is, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. Dr. Nikolai sometimes it seems like we preach, but that other crowd that's playing, many follow them. Sometimes it feels it's, it's like it's hopeless because the present generation, the Z generations, as you said this morning honey in Sunday school, that the Z generation, this young generation they want it this way. A report came out this week that said that they now have every group in America Hollywood NFL NBA, Major League Baseball. They have every athlete group, every group. They have all the Hollywood people. They have We've got all, we got the political people, we've got them all. We've got the churches that have endorsed transvestites and sodomy and everything. We've got them all except for one group. It's the right wing conservative. Churches, but they said of that group, 58% of them only believe that that is sin. I don't know what crowd they're, they're pulling, pulling, but I tell you what, we don't have just 58% in this church. According to the Bible, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. We'll always love everybody, Jesus loved everybody. Would be kind, but this business where they're hanging flags all over our city and all over our state and all over our country, saying that a alternate lifestyle has started at three years of age, and now a a a, a gay bar for children, uh, little little children showing that here's how you become this one of these people. Something's wrong in America, and it, I, I lay its blame at the preacher's feet. Because though I never said anything harsh right now, most preachers couldn't say that in their church. The Church of Scotland last Sunday voted. They already have the Sodomites as their their pastors. But they voted last week, almost unanimously, that, that you can now marry in the church. Scotland was a man by the name of John Knox that fell on his knees and begged God, said, God! Please give me Scotland or I die. And Scotland had a revival because of John Knox, who was later burned at the stake. We lost Scotland last week. We lost it. Deceivers come in, many shall follow their pernicious ways. Don't, don't, be, don't be flirting with compromise. Look what the next verse says. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. By reason, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they make, with feigned words, fake words, make merchandise of you. I'd like to cover more with you, but I'm out of time there. Tonight I just say, beware, three things and we're done. And as you say, we'll go to the house. I don't know what you do when you go to the house. You have popcorn, is that what you do? (laughs) We'll go to the house. I want you to go back to Acts, please, in closing. Acts 20, 29, for I know this. I know this. After my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you, not sparing the flock. That's acknowledgement. Brother Skirty, Paul was, was acknowledging the fact corruption's coming. It's coming. You've been a Sunday school superintendent here as a layman for 45 years. Brother Manley, about 45 years. Sunday, 43 years as superintendent. Your labor is not in vain with those little children. Your labor, Brother Kerry, is not in vain. 45 years Sunday school superintendent, junior church. It's not in vain. But I want to tell you something. I think all of you, Brother Kerry and I, (laughs) we had an appointment here about a month ago. And he said, okay, pastor. He had his whole list all written out. And he said, I'll see you next year about the same time. What's a year we talk, that's about it. We've worked together for 45 years. But he said, the change that's happening so fast in Christianity. And there's a man that can see it. Brother Manley, you can see it. Brother Skirty, you can see it. How, how things are changing so fast. Thank God for these men and others that are superintendents of our Sunday schools, laymen. But I wonder, after they're departing, after they're departing, what's going to happen? Are, are we raising up a generation of young, young kids that say, "But by the grace of God, we're not going to waver from a whole-time religion." Is that here? Are there some people that a stand? I was talking to the youth group this morning, this afternoon because they came in and I didn't have time to tell them this, but I I said, I want you to keep a file of everything, a file this evening, uh, uh, the first brochure of youth conference, you have about 2,100 days that you're going to be a junior hire and a senior hire. In 2,191 days, uh, that's it for your high school career and it will be over and save these things. I I showed them some things I saved uh, from a camp when I went to camp. I said, I don't have a lot of things. I brought three files. I showed them the bus director's file that I had when I went to work for your dad. Had 18 bus workers. Nine of them are home with the Lord now. Uh, Five of them are are pastors now, preachers. One of those with the Lord. But I want you to know, I I showed these. Then I had a file. I said, I didn't know my mother had this file. I didn't tell them all that was in that file. But you know, I had my draft of the four years of college My draft notice. And they'd always throughout the year say, okay, now you are, and they classify you. You know, when I was a boy, and I hate it when people say that because it's like yesterday year was perfect, but you didn't think about not having a job by age 16. You just didn't think about not having a job. You didn't think that you'd maybe get a job for two hours a day, and that was it for the week. Man, you figured out a way, way you could work. And, and that was a leftover from that great generation, my parents' generation, the World War II crowd. You know, when you turned 18, you had to register for the draft. We were in Vietnam, and, and all through four years of college, I never knew if they were gonna turn me to A1 and draft me or not. I just, but, but you had to be ready to take a gun anytime and go to a foreign soil. It seems like uh, you, you turn 18 nowadays and, oh, gucci, Gucci go, don't leave home, don't leave home. We want to have you stay with us. Let them grow up. turn 16, get a job. Still come to church, don't miss church, Don't miss camp, you're still a teenager, but work. We, 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 we witnessed, my generation, witnessed parents that worked. They worked on the farm, they worked in the factories. They worked. Well, what are you what are you doing this summer? I'm only, you know, I'm only 17, so I get up at uh, I I I sleep in a little bit, but I get up by about 9, 9:30. Well, then what do you do? I I pour my cocoa puffs. And I get cocoa puffs and I, I watch Mickey Mouse Club. How long do you watch? Not long, two hours. Well, then it's noon about. Yeah, well, then I, 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 don't, I limit myself. I play only three hours of video games. And then my mom wants me to sweep the sidewalk. I go do that, and then I'm back, and I get two more hours of video games and it's dinner. That's a depressing life. Hey, boys, God bless you. I'm not trying to be rude. 13, do you know how to wax a car? Do you know how to keep a car clean? It's different in my area. We, we, never, we never had Jiffy Lube and all these. So, you change the oil. You just, you just I, I, would, I don't know how, how we can even do that. You, you change the oil and then the computer gets all messed up. So, I understand all that. But, but what about work? Uh, yeah, it's your work. You come home from work tired. Duh. I, I'm talking about... He, he said, uh, Will you acknowledge that there's this new philosophy coming in? Keep it out. It's coming from wolves from without and it's coming from within. Acknowledgement, secondly, antagonizers. I know after my departing, some grievous wolves enter the flock, not sparing the uh, among you, not sparing the flock. They twist, they distort, they 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 change things. Thirdly, and I'm done. I see the affection. Verse 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone of night and day with tears. Paul said, I, I gave my life to you for three years. And it was day and night. I was always at your beck and call. And he said, I did it with tears. You helped me this sweet couple married 60 years because tonight they said, you know, we can tell on the internet, you love your church. My wife will say the same. I love this church. We love this church. God's been so good. Allow us to have a church like this for so long. The other property is filled tonight with Spanish service. Thank God that these buildings are being used all the time. I cannot imagine having this church. Dr. Truett died many years ago. He was pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas. He pastored there 47 years. Dr. Criswell followed him for 50 years. But Dr. Truett was a great man of God, godly man, great preacher. Hold the line strong. And a church in Cleveland, large historic church, came to see him. John Rockefeller was a member there. It was a church loaded with wealth and great influence. They said, Dr. Truett, you're here in Dallas, but our pastor is not with us. We have met together and we need you to be our pastor. He said, I'm not interested, but thank you. My heart is on First Baptist. I'm not leaving. They went back home and told the report, and they said, well, let's send a committee. And the committee met with them. They said, you tell us, you, you name, we, we, we've got income. You name your price. You name what you want. Well, we, we, you're a man of God. We want. And I, I commend them. God bless them. But we'll give you what you need and what you want. They were willing to do anything. And they said, would you come? He said, no, I won't come. They went home and told the report. They sent another committee and The third time they, they talked to him and said, our, our church is in desperate need of a man like you where you have the position, to, uh, uh, finances to do anything. You, you just name it. They said, I, I told you I'm not going to even pray about it. I'm not going to come because my heart is here in Dallas with my people In desperation, they looked at him and said, "Could we make any any proposal to you that would cause you to consider leaving and coming to be our pastor?" They said, what? Well, he said, "Yes, there is one." Thinking they had him, they said, "Tell us what it is. We'll do it. You would consider moving." If we fulfill this, he goes, I would consider it. They said, "What, what, what is it? What is it? He said, if you will move the members of the First Baptist Church of Dallas to Cleveland, and if I could take my people with me, I'd consider coming. So in other words, I'm not coming. Years ago when I was young, it would offend me. Our church was just exploding every week, every year. Just If our church was 10 years old, we were running 1,000. We grew 100 a year. If we were 14 years old, we were running 1,400. If we were 20 years old, we were running 2,000. If we were 25 when we were 25 years old, we were running 2,500. When we were 27 years old, we were running 20. It just went that way, 100 a year. I'd go preach, and I'd say, I I imagine you have a lot of offers to go other places, don't you? Now, it's flattering to get an offer. I said, I've not had one. One day a church in the Midwest sort of made a gesture through another man to say, would you be interested? I said, I want to pray about it. I took that as a compliment that nobody ever wanted me. Because I think the nation knows my heart is here. Paul said, I warned you for three years with night and day with tears. I've only had one other offer in the years. Oh, was it a good offer? It could have been a a life of ease. It could have meant no house payment. It would have meant enjoyable, and I got the vote, even though I said I wouldn't even pray about it. And several key men in the nation came and saw me and said, we think you're the man. I said, I'm not the man. They said, would you pray about it? I said, I will not pray about it. I refuse to pray about it. I said, if these people I told them would let me have 50 years I want to stay with them and be a pastor for this crowd. That's what Paul's talking about. You dear pastors that are thinking about leaving because you have trouble, there's troubles everywhere you go. You dear folks, you know everywhere you go, there's trouble. You don't leave your troubles behind, you just find new ones, different faces.